Afternoon, listeners. Uh, welcome back to another Racing Matters podcast. Uh, I'm Ollie. I'm joined as ever by the youth of today. Becky, how's it going? How's your fitness regime this week? What's going on? I've done two days so far. Um, no injuries, which is good. But I'm just really lacking motivation. It's really different when you don't have someone there like shouting at you, telling you what to do. What, what have you moved on to this week? Because week one was was press ups, and that that <laughs> resulted in some sort of injury. What's what's week three? We're in week three now of the fitness regime. <laughs> yeah, potentially week three. Yeah. Um, I do like circuit sort of stuff, I guess. Um, press ups, I think I, I'm just going to leave to the side. I'm, I'm done with press ups. Yeah, I. Um, I also have not committed much to my fitness in the last couple of weeks, but um, it's actually quite hard to do when, as you say, no one's shouting at you and there's no one else to compare yourself to. Now, uh, talking of comparisons and, uh, and the like, um, today we thought we'd delve into the world of racing and social media. Um, it's a fairly busy place for those of you listening that don't spend much time on social, whichever platform is your your poison but uh racing twitter and racing instagram and to some extent facebook are fairly busy places it's an engaged audience fairly strong opinions as one might imagine so we thought we'd drag in two stars of social to help us with our podcast today um i'm joined by katie clements of katie and grimetti fame and Will Kajani, who I think is just famous in general. So, um, uh, hi guys, welcome to. Hello. So, um, I'm going to let you both introduce yourselves briefly. Why don't we start with Katie? Um, Katie, how did you end up becoming kind of, let's say, involved with? Because as with most social media, there is no sort of start and end to what you may or may not do with it. Um, why don't you just fill in some of our listeners on, on how you got involved in the, you know, specifically the racing side of social? Um, so through Grimetti, um, I, with him having raced and being quite well known, um, his, excuse me, dog's well, That's Grimetti, he's got a really bad throat. <laughs> um, so his racing owners basically said you should set up Twitter so that you can people can still follow what he does after racing um and yeah it's just kind of built from there I've then started blogging a bit about racing and well more sort of the horses and the people and yeah it just sort of became a bit of something and will how um how did you end up becoming you know engaged on social um and you're, you're fairly active on Twitter, especially. How did you get to the place you are now? Um, I actually started because I didn't find many other racing fans sort of in my general friendship groups. When I got into the sport, it was, I think, over a decade ago. Um, and generally speaking, you know, it was football or nothing, really, at secondary school at that age. Um, I actually originally started out on forums, um, the old racing forum. Six the six oh six forum, um, which the BBC had, and I got a Twitter account around two thousand and eight, and actually managed to find um, to my joy that other people enjoy the sport too. That's actually how I got into non Facebook social media, really. 
um, it was pretty much all at that time for racing. Yeah, and um, just before we get into kind of some of the, the more detail, um, Twitter appears to be the weapon of choice for quite a lot of weapons, actually, on um, uh, racing fans. Um, and of course, Instagram um, is what it is. Um, Casey, you just on your own stuff, especially since you started blogging, um, just for the kind of geeks out there, do you find that Twitter's the, the one that gives you the most carry through or there's the oh, visual absolutely. element? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'd say 80% from Twitter. Um, and I mean, I've been doing the blog now for what, three and a half months. And in that time, my followers have gone up two and a half thousand people, which is, it's just, that is how it gets out there. And it's such a great platform for a sport like racing as soon as anything happens you can post about it and it's there and yeah especially on race days if you post about a horse falling or um a jockey having a good run of things like it's instant and people instantly react with it which is really nice yeah let's start talking about angry audiences because <laughs> we get a lot of that racing why do you think that the racing audience is so cynical and like angry over opinions do you think it's down to betting and money being on the line um yes and no i just think i think it's the nature of the beast like people are opinionated and you can just put your opinion out there and if you're the kind of person that is very I'm right and that's all I can see or if you feel really strongly about something I think a lot of it is the nature of the beast obviously money influences everything um, and also tradition I think um, I'm really lucky in the grand scheme of things I don't get a great deal of negative stuff um, but the negative stuff I have had has been people that are stuck in a certain way. Um, so one guy sent me a really angry message basically saying that what I write is a load of rubbish and no one cares about the horses or the people. What the sport is really about is winning and money. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, well, you're going to be that guy and you can't argue with that. Like, yeah he's never going to see that any differently did you direct him to i don't know that or something <laughs> just say oh, no but <laughs> he's um he's an owner in the sport he owns horses in ireland and i i mean i really shouldn't have bitten to it but i sent him a message saying i'm really glad you're an owner and not a trainer um because if i was talking to a trainer who thought the only thing that mattered was winning and money and not the horses then that's not a very good person to be involved in the sport. Uh, well, what's, um, what's your experience been with, with people that are cynical over your, your, the, the way they perceive your knowledge of the sport? Of course, in, in something like football, everyone has an opinion because they support a team and they claim to know everything. And they, but racing, it seems to me that the, the general audience, their first criticism is either, what do you know? How much do you know? How do you know that? And, and that's very rare. If I'd said that I think Tiger Woods is really good at golf, many people aren't going to come and attack me. Yet, if I say I think Batash is the best sprinter of all time, I literally would have to put on the crash helmet, right? <laughs> yeah, racing um, 
can be more insular than other sports. Um, I think it's just generally sort of something that's well accepted. I would say also um, racing is in particular a game of opinions. Um, in fact, actually, the whole sport is based on opinion. You know, um, the sport is, whether we like it or not, based around betting. And at the end of the day, the opinion drives um, the game. And I think that probably feeds in um, to the way that we do get on racing Twitter and in racing social media circles, um, particularly strong opinions um, that many people would disagree with quite fiercely, even for um, some of the smaller things. Uh, you know, I'm on quite a lot of sporting social media feeds and I wouldn't know um, that racing is the only sport where this occurs. Um, I, I would say it's not as bad as some areas of football Twitter, um, for example, but I do think um, I, I do think there is sometimes a bit of oversensitivity um, in, in the sense of somebody having a different opinion than yourself. Well, and and I think what you say is quite right. Of course, any anyone that's involved in tipping or betting, the whole thing is just about opinion, right? There is absolutely no black or white and absolute in any side of that. And I imagine that's where a lot of it comes from. I think from my point of view, the stuff that has always sort of not pissed me off, but kind of raised an eyebrow has been um, the, the sort of anger that's directed towards the non-winner um, as if, you know, anyone betting or watching any sport doesn't know that generally one person or one team wins and not the other. That's kind of part of the deal. Um, and I think that the jockeys especially take an unnecessary amount of grief that wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the platform um, or if it was, it would be, you know, at a distance. Um, do you think, uh, Katie, I'll ask you this one because this is probably more in your wheelhouse. Do you think, like, so there's an interesting kind of way of looking at it, whether to think about who your, your audience is or whether you think about, fuck it, I'm just going to stay doing what I want to do is it better to be a generalist and highlight all the positive things about horses and retraining and, you know, the stuff that you really started doing, or do you start thinking I've got to tailor my content and my comments towards who's going to, and what's going to get said back to me? Um, I don't know. Cause it's also new at the same time. I, I generally write, what I feel and what I think and I put it out there and if someone thinks differently then there's not really anything I can do about that because what I write is opinion based um, and I always try to as well make it feel true to who I am and what I am saying and how I would talk in real life um, and so far that's gone down really well Obviously, as it progresses, there's certain things that I might need to change or do differently. Um, but at the moment, I'm quite happy with staying true to who I am and what I'm about. But yeah, you're always gonna, there's always gonna come up against people that don't fit with that. But for every person that doesn't like that or doesn't fit with it, there could be a hundred others that do. Very good attitude. Yeah. Will, do you ever do you ever sort of write out a tweet and then before you press send think, I wonder what people are gonna think of this before I send it, or do you just fire and forget and just get the body armor ready? 
I think a lot more about what I'm going to say um, than I used to. A year or two ago, the answer would have been um, fire, fire, fire. Um, but now I do tend to think about it more. Uh, it depends on what I'm jumping into and sort of the, not even the strength of the tape, but the volatility of the debate. Yeah. That would be my guiding factor for if I'll think about something um, before posting it. I mean, I think about everything before I post it. I think about it as I write it. Um, but there are, I think, different levels of volatility with debates. Um, for instance, something like uh, Rishi Persad and Josh Apiafi's discussion yesterday, um, or maybe Ashim Murphy's um, testing issue, or indeed the comments that Jim Bolger made over the testing of racial Ireland. Um, is a bit different to who I think is going to win the Paddy Power Gold Cup. Yeah. Um, so it's a situation by situation basis. Yeah. Um, and on social media, um, there's room for men and women in racing to have a voice. Um, yet we kind of feel that if men aren't ex jockeys or you know perceived experts, they do get a bit cane for it and women are also objectified um for you know maybe i don't know revealing too much skin where do you think the middle ground is what's your opinion on it here we go with it shall i talk um i yeah i think a lot i think men are expected to be as credible as possible um which as far as I'm concerned, you can be passionate about something without knowing every single fact about it ever. And some people's brains don't work like that. Like I was terrible at history at school because facts and figures and dates and numbers do not stay in my brain. So if you ask me who ran in what race or who won a certain race in a certain year, I wouldn't have a clue because my brain doesn't work like that. Um, whereas other people do. Um, but I don't think you need to have the necessary jockey or trainer experience to be knowledgeable or to be passionate. Um, and the whole women thing is, for me, <laughs> um, is it's very tricky to kind of manage within myself because it doesn't matter what you do, you show too much skin or post a photo where you think you look good like then you get selected for it but also if you're a scruffy mess then you get slated for that as well so you can't win and one of the things that I got when I did that first piece for Racing League was I got messages from people telling me that the only reason you get any opportunities is because you're a pretty female, you don't know anything, you've got no talent, you've got not got this and you've not got that. And I'm like, okay, cool, right. First of all, I don't think I rely on being pretty. I think I can write and I can hold my own and I have got something about me. Um, and I'm not a completely shit rider. Um, <laughs> so, you kind of have to justify that with yourself but at the same time 
that isn't up to me. Like if I get an opportunity to go to a yard or to go and interview someone or talk to someone because of a man thinking I'm attractive, that's not my fault. That's mm-hmm. theirs. So why is yeah. that on me? Yeah. What's your yeah. as well? Um, I think Katie's put off really well. Um, a lot of the misogyny that goes into the way um, women, not only on racing Twitter, but also in the racing media, but um, generally sort of cross-sectionalists too, get treated. A lot of other prejudices, I think, can come into the way that people conduct themselves online. Um, misogyny is a really big one, especially in sports, and it wouldn't just be racing. It would be pretty much any high-level professional sport um, at any level, whether the person be a journalist or commentator, or even just a fan trying to get involved. I think racism plays a big part in that too. Um, or I've seen it play a part in other sports, not particularly racing, although I'm sure something will come to later. And I think um, it's important to remember that a lot of people will make assumptions generally um, on social media because they don't have the implicit trust of somebody on Twitter or Facebook or on a forum that they would of somebody in the Racing Post or somebody on Racing um, TV or at the races or whatever. So I, I think in general, a lot of over-assumptions tend to come to the way people conduct themselves on social media. And I think, what, I think Katie's made that point very well. Yeah. You have to have very thick skins, I imagine, to be... I'm not very well versed on racing Twitter. I don't think I ever will be because, quite frankly, it terrifies me. There's so many <laughs> trolls out there. Um, but... The the issue the issue really stems and especially what you know we're we're looking to do with Racing League in the in the near future is the platforms are what they are but they are still the the quickest route to market for anything new and they're also the best way of getting um, and an opinion and uh, a sentiment across um, fast so we can have all the writers in the world writing lovely blog posts that are all seo optimized but someone's still got to find them which is great in the long run and that's what everyone wants but if you want to tell someone like racing league date x is here um i know what happens because i've done that myself the first thing i get back is well what a load of shit okay thanks for that i was only telling you it was a doncaster but it's fine um so you you can't really avoid the platform because the platform is what it is i suppose the interesting bit is at what point do you temper or change your content style to suit the people that really you don't want to suit, if you know what I mean? And I, I you know, I used to do a lot of um, football Twitter myself way back when, when I was kind of more interested in, in hearing what other people said about that, but it's a pointless task. And then now I just can't be bothered because it's just one long abuse chain. Um, on that note, that, I mean, that did put me off of bothering with it. So um, either of you, I suppose, as, has anything ever put you off to the point? I know yesterday, Katie, you had a, an incident where you, it's a long story, but you decided to close your Twitter direct messages because you were getting so much grief about a particular post. Um, has anything ever put you off to the point that, do you know what, the social media side of what I'm trying to do isn't really worth the aggro or mentally it's fucking me up so I'm not going to you know, keep doing, there's no point going to bed upset every day, right? You know, for the sake of a few extra clicks on your website, not just you, but anyone. Um, Has anything ever got to the point where you're like, am I, what am I doing here? No, but I've been really um, careful, I guess, um, with 
checking in on myself mentally with everything. Um, so off of racing Twitter and onto Instagram, I found that a lot of the accounts that I was following and seeing every day were not good for my mental health. And my options were change what I'm seeing or get off of the platform. Um, so changing what I saw every day and making sure that the accounts that I followed were things that were positive for my mental health really helped. And that's kind of the step that I've taken by closing my Twitter inbox. It's not, I never wanted to close it because there's been times where like people that follow me have had a rough old run of things and have sent me like messages wanting to talk. And I kind of said, I'll always leave it open. Um, but right now, <laughs> I can't be dealing with the few people that do just want to bring other people down. And it's stupid because it isn't just with me. Like quite often I'll talk to other girls that are personalities on racing twitter and they will say oh that person said something to me as well and so you do have to you've just got to protect yourself in ways that you can that's good for your mental health like yesterday when everything kicked off and i closed my twitter inbox i also turned my phone off for three hours and just went and enjoyed time with my horses detached and just had music on went for a ride and had a nice time and just reset everything and I think if you're a resilient person and as long as you can manage that then you'll do all right which is what I'm trying to do yeah I mean uh, Will you actually mentioned earlier the the uh, interview with Josh and Rishi and the well what I perceived to be the 90 percent of people that uh, commented on that were fairly negative to say the least. Um, have you ever had any, uh, you know, we've just sort of talked, or we haven't really, we've skirted around sexual discrimination. I know there is discrimination, but there are some of the things that Katie's been sent are certainly bordering on, on that or definitely uh, inappropriate to say the least. Have you ever had any racial, you know, racially discriminative messages sent or things like that on Twitter that you, you know, out of the blue or, you know, because you're not really a massive, huge stand up there with the klaxon sort of person over all of these things. But have you ever had people kind of, you know, stick the knife in subtly or less subtly? Uh, I have, yeah, um, of all types. And I, I should add, most of the racial abuse I've had on Twitter is not sports related. It's, yeah. it's beer. Um, but the conversation of um, diversity in racing is an important one and one I feel is now sort of coming into the mainstream um, with other recent events. It's not nice to see the negative feedback that um, Rishin and Josh had for what I felt was um, in general a very open and positive looking conversation even if it was fairly honest um, or well, I don't want to say honest but some people might have felt it was harsh but um, I didn't see anything particularly untoward in what they said. Um, and I think also that acknowledgement is the first step towards improving these things. 
Now, I don't believe that racing is an inherently racist sport. Um, in principle, no sporting endeavor is. Um, I believe racing has an issue in the sense that the core of the sport is powered by too many of the same people um, who can sometimes be a bit insular, but who also don't really branch out into other groups or areas of society. And when I say that, um, I mean essentially that the same people train horses, the same people ride horses professionally and go to be jockeys and also the same people I think by and large watch racing and certainly they attend racing now again that's not an attack on the people who work in racing um, but in the next sort of decade or two for the good of the sport you would want that to change there's no real getting away from the fact that we can do better in terms of getting other people involved in racing. And I think it shouldn't be terribly offensive to say it. I don't think it should be upsetting um, to say we might be able to do better maybe in terms of having more people of colour be trainers or having more people of colour grow up to be jockeys at the top level. Um, or basically giving them better opportunities both in yards and on the track and also off track as well um, and I think a lot of people sort of misunderstood the whole point of the conversation that Rishi and Josh had um, the conversation that I had when I was on um, Sky Sports Racing earlier which is basically that no we don't um, think it's a racist or we don't think it's a huge bunch of racists we would just like to see more work be done and um, to expand the sports space because it, ha it has worked before um, we talk about women in racing that was a very well targeted fought out initiative. It did not happen overnight that you have a lot of women. I know that you've had women well before um, the 2000s um, get into racing, but I mean, a lot of women now breaking through the top level with regularity. Um, that didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen um, by magic. That was a targeted effort by the BHA. Um, there was a program, women got more support, they got more training. Um, there was an encouragement um, for more trains in particular to give more women jockeys opportunities. Not just in Britain, you see it in France, um, where you've now had a woman ride a Group One winner, um, and it worked. These things can work if you give them the time and space and attention. I know I've gone on a little while, but I just think it's worth considering that because racing would only benefit, in my opinion, if it had a broader base to pick from. All the other sports do. Um, I know football is sort of a national religion, but it's never a problem for them. You look at rugby, it's not a problem for them. Cricket has a wider, more diverse space. Um, I can think of plenty of other sports where it's not a problem. I think racing would do well to be a bit expansive on this. Yeah, so one of the things we put to Josh um, when he was on the, the podcast a couple of weeks ago was, you know, do you think that, uh, and we're not talking about empowering people or anything like that, but simply is uh, a sport that indirectly employs 80,000 people in the UK. Is it a fair reflection of society? You know, if you look to cut across that 80,000 people, how does it reflect the 80,000 people that are in the town down the road or whatever? And I think that's really what Josh and Rishi were trying to get to. Obviously some people took uh, uh, quite a lot of offense to the suggestion that, 
there's not an opportunity if you're working in the stables to to make it to be a a trainer um, um sorry to interject one of the things i saw pop up repeatedly on that thread was it's not about race it's about money yeah and i think whether we like it or not there is a wealth gap with in that anyway um there's a explained um episode on netflix that explains why there is a wealth gap between people of different races and it might not be to do with racism now but it's to do with racism way back when and so is creating grants or schemes or training where people from different backgrounds can get an extra opportunity is that a negative thing i don't think so at all well no to, and to will's, will's point um things like this you know if you if you put your hard nose commercial head on can only be a benefit if i add more people to the pool that are going to spend money watching enjoying whatever they do in the sport then generally it's a good thing right and um there there is a key issue and i expect many people listening will will not take umbrage with this but they might not like the cold hard facts but the truth is the average age of an owner in the uk i think's crept up to 57 now um you know i don't know how much and and it goes up every year by the way only incrementally not a huge amount but you know the sport's not in a great place if if syndicates aside um owners are predominantly in the same social demographic and of the same age and um that's kind of something that i believe this conversation should help address rather than be a, a bone of contention or basically start everyone going to war and um i certainly don't think um that, that josh or rishi were we're trying to start any sort of a race war here or, or jump on the BLM movement in any way. Um, Josh has been at this for years, ever since we started racing legal CHR back in 2017. I sat with Josh in a bar in Seoul and we had this conversation then. Things haven't moved on enough, but he did say the other day on our pod that it's 20 year, it's a 20 year thing. It's a, it's a yeah. generation and a half really to to make a movement right so um all of this stuff super important we could probably talk about it all day if we were in a pub we certainly would not that there's any pubs to sit in at the moment um let's let's look at the more positive side of this stuff because um it would be remiss of, of us not to look at that bearing in mind um let's say what it's done for both of you individually so um we were going to have one other question which is a bit more negative but i'm going to jump into the more interesting stuff so um let's start with you um kc what uh, role do you think that the social social media specifically has played in in the in the development of this like potential career move work opportunities getting the chance to talk to becky and me um, <laughs> that sort of thing do you think if you if you didn't have the platforms and the positive side of it that you'd be able to be kind of contemplating doing what you're contemplating doing definitely not um and it's been endlessly positive and continues to be so um i mean last night i had three different emails from people asking me to either create content for them or write for them or get involved or help them promote certain things tell them you're busy you're too busy sorry <laughs> god do anything i'm gonna have to quit my real job um and i've met through social media so many people now that i 
now consider friends and that I know that I can turn to if anything ever gets too much or if I need help with anything and they're people that without social media I wouldn't have met um and some of them are people that I used to negatively compare myself to and <laughs> now I'm very good friends with so yeah I can't as much as there are negative things and it's easy to kind of concentrate on them sometimes, I can't say that my overall experience is a negative one. Because oh. it's that way of negatives. Yeah. Uh, Will was saying earlier how um, obviously at school and stuff, he didn't really have like friends who had the same interest in racing. Would you say the same? Like you've met loads of people through social media, racing, Twitter, for example, um, who have the same interests as you? Did you have that beforehand? Did you have friends who liked racing or not really? Uh, not really. And in my kind of horsey equestrian life outside of racing, um, everyone thinks it's really bizarre that I love racing because, you know, everyone has this idea that racing is a negative thing particularly in the kind of ROR retraining of racehorses side of things people think that these horses that they take on after racing haven't been loved in their careers mm -hmm. and for me it's been so eye-opening going and visiting different yards and meeting different people and seeing how differently things are done on different yards and places but the one thing that is true is that everybody loves their horses the girls and lads on the yard that look after them like worship them um and it's incredibly incredibly special um like i took one of my ex-racers to a dressage competition the other week and someone was like oh you've done so well for rescuing him <laughs> like, this yeah. horse was not rescued he <laughs> lived the life of luxury if anything, he's more likely to call and ask for help now. <laughs> but so through social media and meeting people interested in the sport and learning more about it has been great for me because I don't have that day to day. But it's also meant that day to day with the people that I do meet, I can kind of help to change that attitude. Um, which a lot of the people that read my blog have x races or have other types of horses and have messaged saying they had no idea that the horses were kept in that way and that they got turnout with other horses and that they were groomed every day and they had this and they had that. Like they didn't realise how much goes on behind the scenes. And that's probably a bit my favourite thing about it. Um, for people that don't know, Will, you're you're also you know aside from racing you you're heavily involved in political commentary on your um social media um obviously this is a big part of your day-to-day -day job as well as just your kind of like hobby passion would you have been able to do kind of what you do without social media or is it kind of an intrinsic tool of your day-to-day -day work it's an intrinsic tool for my day-to-day -day work and i i guess i'm sort of one of those people who owes pretty much everything they've got to social media um i actually despite all of the nonsense you get on 
what we call the bird app um twitter i i actually still remain a fan of that platform i think the i think the mission of twitter or at least the sort of experience on twitter at its heart is um one i've always much preferred which is where you get to set the parameters um of what you want to be involved in so if i just wanted to talk only about racing all day i could only follow racing people could do the same for football could do the same for politics could do the same for anything um and i think it has gotten more toxic over the years, but I think there are still things you can do to um, to basically sort of make your experience better. Um, you know, there are safety filters you can use on Twitter. You can change your notification settings so that you don't get notifications from people you don't follow, people without profile pictures. Um, many other settings as well I know are also available. Um, I think it's important for people to know that you can sort of, you have more control than you think. Um, and I also think in general, yes, there's a lot of nasty stuff that happens on social media, but by and large, um, I still think if you keep your circle close or you control your circle, I think it can it can be a great thing. And it's always important to remember um, there are more good, kind-hearted race people on racing Twitter than there are um, sort of basically abusers and trolls. Do they exist Twitter? Almost certainly, yeah. Or had a fair share of them. But there will be more people who will be inquisitive, who will be engaging, who can be really funny, who can be really helpful. Um, it's about trying to balance it out as best you can. And I know it's not easy. Um, it, and I'd add especially if you're a woman. Um, especially if you're a woman. But um, I do think it's worth saying that because I am grateful for the presence of a lot of people on racing Twitter who I have made real friends with who, if anything, I've needed the support of more than ever over the last year. Yeah. Do you feel like you've created a sort of friendly and supportive, I suppose, online community that you can sort of go to quite a lot of them for help and you feel that you can talk freely and do you view it that way? Um, I haven't created anything. I've joined a friendly and supportive online community. I've found it, uh, but I definitely believe that it does exist. And there are different subsections as well of racing Twitter now. Um, it's enhanced my knowledge and understanding of the sport. Um, as an example, um, I understand, or I feel I understand a lot more about time and time analysis in racing because I follow and have been able to get the data from people like Simon Rowlands, um, people like Jamie Lynch, um in general also people like dan oh, he's gonna hate me for this dan barber of time form etc i've been able to get a good knowledge into that um work colleagues i follow on twitter have been very useful i've learned a huge amount about betting and the history of betting um i mean my boss ben keith have found me um through twitter um, but i also read simon knott's updates on there um which has allowed me i think in turn to be a more understanding fan of the sport. Um, I understand lots more about breeding, um, thanks to following people like and Kitty Trice on Twitter, for example, um, also Alex and Harriet, who I'm sure will appreciate the shout out. And there are a whole, I could go on and on with these subsections of racing Twitter, which actually allow you to learn an awful lot about racing really rapidly. You You can learn a lot about breeding you can learn a lot about ties you can learn a lot about handicapping um 
for instance, like I now know plenty of handicappers, people who make their own ratings. Um, indeed, on another podcast, um, the On The Hunt podcast, I was with them or happened with them and I record with them sometimes and I learn huge amounts every week. Um, that will make the sport sort of more accessible and enjoyable to me. And I'd actually say if anybody was wanting to make Twitter work for them, um, try and get a niche of a niche for yourself inside racing that um, is as specific as possible because once you do that, there's no telling what you can do. Yeah, definitely. So um, these are all really, it's really interesting stuff actually. And I, I'm, I'm sure we could talk about it for such a long time. And um, I expect people listening are quite fascinated to to hear a little bit of uh, of, of your guys' thoughts and opinions. Uh, unfortunately, time ticks on, but there is always one final challenge with the Racing Matters podcast. And of course, this is what really matters, right? Is uh, Becky's <laughs> questions of this or that. And um, I think she's going to ask them and then you can both answer, but we'll do it in Katie will order. So Katie can answer the first question and then Will, you can answer the same question. But... Um, I'm going to let her take over because I know she enjoys this bit. Are you ready? Go for it. Far away. Cheltenham or Ascot? Cheltenham. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Dogs or cats? Dogs, even though they <laughs> relentlessly bark. <laughs> sunset or sunrise? Uh, sunset. City or countryside? Oh, <laughs> um, oh, country. Country. Bar or pub? Bar, because they normally have better wine. <laughs> uh, on the topic of wine, red or white wine? Uh, red. Football or rugby? Neither. <laughs> I can't, no, I can't watch it. It doesn't go in. It's too long. <laughs> and sprinters or stayers? Stayers. Lovely. You were doing so well and then God, I really I really got you on the city or countryside. Well, I'm so lucky with where I live that it feels like it's in the middle of nowhere, but I'm only fifteen minutes from two different cities. And I post so much on Twitter about the views from my yard because we're right on top of this hill and one way you can see Nottingham and one way you can see Derby and it's so beautiful. Very lovely. Thanks for both. Right, well, your turn. Have you already slightly prepped your answers? <laughs> um, I, I didn't know I'd be asked the same questions. I thought it was going to be a back and forth challenge, but let's just say <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> okay they are actually the same questions you know okay. times, okay. different ones but so to start Cheltenham or Ascot? Ascot. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Dogs or cats? Cats. Sunset or sunrise? Sunrise. City or countryside? City. Bar or pub? Pub. Red or white wine? White. Football or rugby? Football just. And final question, sprinters or stairs? Stairs. Lovely. No one, no one so far. We've only had three, four or five podcasts. No one's answered sprinters yet. I, yeah. Let me do, can you let me do these questions one day? And I'll, 
I'll give the sprinters just a tiny bit of love because we need to get some trainers on that train sprinters and change the balance. Well, the name of Batash's um, groom, because oh, Bob. Bob, yeah. If you can get Bob, you surely yeah you get access to Bob. Well, that's uh, it's interesting you bring this up. Um, hopefully, in the next few days to next week, we'll have. Some interesting announcements uh, regarding trainers taking part in the racing league. Um, and you never know, uh, some names mentioned in this podcast may well be involved. Bid, an, an interview bid. Um, you, you've got to have Fergal O'Brien on. Well, I think that um, Ferg would be very interesting to talk to. Um, and I think we will probably make contact in the new year um once you this... can't do fergal o'brien without me no, no, <laughs> right? well, um, no, we, 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 not we... that you're gonna do <laughs> fergal o'brien <laughs> fergal o'brien without katie you can't do fergal o'brien without kim so you would need space for three guests on, on one podcast but but it can be done well, I now just take myself off to Fergals whenever I want to go and ride horses. <laughs> so I'm sure we can make it work. It's me. I'm back. I sent him a message the other day just saying, do you take requests for horses that I can ride <laughs> and see if I can just start picking my own from his beautiful yard? <laughs> uh, yeah, for those that don't follow Fergal on uh, social media he's he's one of the more active and amusing people to follow on racing twitter and indeed other social platforms are available um right guys thanks very much for joining us uh, i'm sure in the course of the next or the coming weeks and months um we'll have you both on again in in varying capacities um as the launch of racing league gets ever closer and more information gets put out there i'm sure we'll have all sorts of guests but um we'll always come back to our favorites so um thanks very much i'll let you say goodbye thank you very much speak to you soon thank you very much pleasure for having me uh, pleasure to be here sorry oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> you've ended it well spot on <laughs> um for all of you listening, uh, Becky and I will be back next week and we're joined by Nathan Horrocks of Equine Media, co-founder of Jockey Cam, to chat through his experiences uh, at the Breeders' Cup where Jockey Cam was very well received and to talk about the future of technology in uh, racing and what it can provide to a modern day audience. Um, thanks for listening and uh, catch you next time.